before we be, well, go ahead and turn with me to First John chapter two. Before we begin, Caitlin and Abby pointed out today the school district announced they're going to be uh, letting students out early um, at one o'clock or one fifteen. And so, if, so we're going to go ahead and plan on doing the bags, but we need to meet at one o'clock so we're ready for students when they get here. So if you're prepared, if you're coming to help us give out uh, gift bags to the kids at the bus stop, it'll be Wednesday at one instead of two. So, um, yeah, go ahead and turn to First John chapter two, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. And if you know of somebody else who's going to come. Please let them know. Tonight, we're going to focus just on these two verses at the end of the chapter, verses 28 and 29. And now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, we may confident, be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. Let's pray. God, as we open Your Word here tonight, help us to know what it means to remain in You, to get our life from You, to abide in Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. These verses start with this command. My translation translates it, continue in Him. But the, these words are the, one, the exact same ones we saw just above in verse 27. It says, just as He taught you, remain in Him. It's the same words. So, abide in Him, remain in Him, continue in Him. This is, he's continuing this idea that the, the Christian life is a life of remaining in Christ. What I want to show you tonight from these, verses, these two verses is five truths about remaining in Christ. And honestly, for me, it's really helpful because remain or abide feels kind of loose to me. It's a command, but sometimes you read in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, remain in me, abide in me, and the practical part of me goes, but what does that mean? Jesus, like, what does it mean to remain in you and abide in Christ? And so here, John lays out five things, I think, for us, five truths about what it means to remain in Christ. First, I want you to notice that remaining in Christ means that we are children till the day that we die. Look at verse 28, beginning of verse 20. He says, and now, dear children. John has used this term before, but he's using it again here. And I think that he, he's calling to the people. He's calling to us and says, your children, not in the sense of you're young, or that you are ig simply ignorant. It's that children need to be raised to become fully mature. And so in the Christian life, we are never, in uh, this side of heaven, we are never all the way there. We are always in need of training. Our culture considers children perfect in the sense of innocent. It's the children that are innocent. It's the adults that have the problem. But here, he's drawing our attention to you children need to be trained. The other element, I think, that comes along with this term, we are children until the day we die, is not self-sufficient. Children do not 
and cannot care for themselves. And when God calls us children, commanding us to remain in Him, we have to remain in Christ because like children, we need a family and a home to take care of us. We are not on our own going to be good enough. A Lone Ranger Christian is unknown in the Bible. Somebody that's like, I don't need the church. I don't need other believers. I am okay. I'm going to be the one that every, that whether either because they're on their own or because they have no learning to do. So that means that pastors, that means deacons, that means leaders, that means Sunday school teachers, all of us are in the category of fellow children in the church needing one another to help us grow. We need someone to, to help point out where we are weak, where we need to grow. And so the first truth that we see in this passage is that remaining in Christ means like children, we have to be teachable and we have to be dependent. We're children to the day we die. And so remaining in Christ means we have to, we come to God's people and say, help me learn and grow. Somebody pointed out for me to me just, just now after uh, our Sunday school training that one of the great values of their class is the thing that everybody brings in to sharpen and help each other learn and grow. Somebody comes in and says, this is what I notice in this passage. And that helps everybody else in the class learn and grow. It's not simply the teacher standing up and telling everybody what to think. It's the whole class helping one another grow. That's what the church is. It's a family where all of us remain teachable. Even, actually, one of the other teachers told me one of the great things that spurs them on is somebody in the class with good questions, with good observation, helps him study. And so each one of us has a part to play in that and should look, to our, look at ourselves. Remaining in Christ means I am a child in need to be taught and not self-sufficient. Second truth that we learn about remaining in Christ from this passage is that remaining in Christ is the work of our lives. Look again in verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, there's like the, that's like our whole life right there in that sentence. Continue in Him so that when He appears. Our, the entire life of a believer is this work of abiding in Christ, remaining in Him, getting our life from Him. This is the, the command of this passage, the one command. And so, part of our job as believers is to keep this as the goal of our life and the expectation of our life. I told you this, that command can feel kind of loose to me, but it doesn't matter if it feels loose to me. This is the job. The job of a Christian is to figure out, God, where am I not getting my life from you? Where am I not abiding in Christ? And help me do that. God, use the gospel to help me remain in Christ. That is the work of believers. There's a, uh, you've, heard, you've likely heard the saying, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. There's a, there's a coach that I follow who he says the goal is to keep the goal the goal. The goal of our lives is to keep the right goal as our goal. Because if you're like me, it's so easy to be distracted and to think, oh, this will do, or this will do, or this is important, or this is going to be the next thing that I want. And John says 
the goal of the Christian life is to keep the goal of the Christian life as your goal. So the question for you and I is, what is your goal? What is the thing that, you, that you're centered on and saying, God, let me, let me remain in Christ this day, this week. When we, I don't know if you keep a list of people to pray for. Maybe you have special requests to be praying for yourself, for your family, for your extended family, for your kids, for, your, for the church, for the world. I think one thing that we would learn from this passage is that part of the goal of our lives is that we'd be constantly praying, God, help me remain in You today. Help me not be distracted by some other shiny object, but instead, God, help me remain in Christ. The third truth we see from this passage about remaining in Christ is that you can have confidence by remaining in Christ. Look at verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. John is telling us here that it is possible when Jesus returns to be to be confident and secure. To not be afraid. To not hang our heads. To not regret all the stuff that's not been done. He says, in, when that day, when Jesus comes back, you do not have to be ashamed if you've been abiding in Christ. This is it. Confidence in the Christian life is actually possible from this one simple command to remain and continue in Jesus. I have a friend who, for him, work solves everything. Everything. Work will solve it. Do you have back pain? You should start running. Like, I'm serious. <laughs> if you have back pain, I know how to solve it. Start running marathons. You know? His, his philosophy, like in every area of life, is do you want to follow Jesus? Let me give you the work that you need to do. Let me tell you all everything that you got to do. He would come into a group and start looking at everybody, asking what they had done for Jesus that day. That his entire life was consumed by this idea that you can outwork whatever it is that you need. And I was thinking of him this week because honestly, it was really hard. I tried, to get, I tried to explain to him that the Christian life is actually a life of remaining in Christ. It shows up in our work. Yes, the book of James is clear about this. It shows up in our work. But our confidence is not so that we can go to a prayer group and say, let me tell you how many tracks I gave out today. How many people I shared the gospel with. How many miles I ran. How much work I did. Our confidence is the fact that we simply remain in Jesus. And the good news is John says, so then you can be confident. The Christian, like the, the church should not be a place where we cut each other down and leave each other ashamed because we've not done enough. It should be a, a place where we encourage each other to the one true source of confidence, which is remaining in Christ. That simple command makes all the difference. And so, remaining in Christ leads us to confidence at the day of Christ. The, third, the fourth truth from this passage about remaining in Christ. 
is that remaining in Christ means we focus on His return. So he says, And now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. In that verse, he said twice, Jesus is coming back. And so remaining in Christ means we have as our goal the day that Jesus comes back. That is the goal of our lives. That is what everything in our lives is leading up to. I don't know about you, but like there are things that I dream of in life. There are trips I would love to take. There, there are hobbies that I would love to get better at. There are things I want to enjoy. Oddly, I've already started planning how I'm going to make coffee for my kids' spouses someday. Is that weird? Like, I was, we had some guests over, and, or we had family in town a few weeks back. And I was like, someday we're going to have a bunch of people in our house. And I need to make sure I can make good coffee for them so that we, like, really bond and have a good time. Like, there are things in my life I look forward to. But John says, remaining in Christ means the true and ultimate goal of my life is not a time period. It is not a, a, a relationship. It is not a success. It is not an amount of money. It is not enjoying coffee with my kids' spouses someday. It is the return of Christ. That is what it means to abide in Christ. If you're a kid or if you're a child, the goal of, of life is not to become an adult and get a really cool job and get to go and live in a place that you want to live or do the thing you want to do. It's not a dream house. It's not a certain kind of horse. The goal of a Christian life is that when Jesus comes, we are confident, we are ready, and we are unashamed. And so he says, we focus on Jesus' return. Russell Moore uh, one time said that people, non-Christians would often be like, do you Christians really believe you know, X, Y, and Z about sex and sin and those kind of things? And he would say, yes, but you wouldn't believe the stuff that I believe about Jesus coming back on a white horse with a sword in His hand. He's like, you find it unbelievable that I would have stand, that we Christians have standards about sexual morality, sex inside marriage between a man and a woman. You find that incredible, but my, but Christianity has even bigger things that we focus on, like the fact that the God of the universe said, I am coming back. And if we lose that and our Christianity just becomes about morals and having a good life, we've missed so much of what our Christianity should be about. And so here at Manchester Baptist, we, I think, need to talk more about being with Jesus. I think we need to sing about being with Jesus more. I think we need to have this idea in our mind, this goal before us, and we set it before each other so that that when the day comes and we get to the end of our lives, we say, yeah, I've been remaining in Christ because that's been my goal. I knew death was coming, and so I got ready by resting and remaining in Jesus. The fifth truth about remaining in Christ from this passage, although I just noticed all of the first four came from verse 28, but the fifth truth about remaining in Christ from this passage is that the new birth is the source of our good works. 
Look at verse 29. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. Here, John is telling us that those who have been born again in Jesus are born again to good works. And so, remaining in Christ and the good works that flow from our life in Christ flow from the Gospel, not from working harder. It can be so easy, either very intentionally or unintentionally, to slide into a belief that says, uh, I, I need to make sure I do good works so that God will love me. And here in verse 29... John says that good works and righteousness flow from our new birth in the gospel. It's something that our hearts need to know and need to hear regularly. It's what the kids in our kids' ministry need to hear regularly is that it is those who have been, whose hearts are dead in sin who have been born again that can do the righteous things that God has called them to do. Because if we don't set that before the kids in our kids' ministry or in our home and your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, great-grandkids maybe, if we don't set that before them, then we end up telling them moralism that says, try harder and pretend to be a Christian. One of my teachers used to explain it this way. Well, Jeremiah 17 kind of lays out a story of two trees, two bushes. And one of the bushes... It has dead roots. And so we would expect that the leaves on that tree, on that bush, are dead. And it doesn't produce anything new. You can come up and staple brand new leaves on that tree or bush all you want. But they're going to wither and die because it didn't come from the roots. But if you go and find a tree or a bush with good roots... You don't have to come up and staple on fake leaves. It will grow up from the roots. And so, what we need in the Christian life is to be born again and to have new roots. I actually, a while back, went was at a different church, and I was like, how did they get such beautiful flowers to grow in this shade? I need these flowers. Because we have a shady spot in front of our house, and nothing grows there. And I go up and I look at it and I realized they're fake. Like, I go up and I like rub the leaves. Oh, these are awesome. And I was like, they're fake. It looks beautiful, but nothing new is ever going to happen here. And what John is pointing us here, in truths about what it means to remain in Christ, is that everybody who, does, who truly does what is right has been born of Jesus. What we need is new hearts. What we need is the roots to be changed so that it produces good gospel fruit. And if we get that gospel fruit, or I'm sorry, we get those new roots, then we can have confidence as we dwell in Christ that the fruit is going to come and that we will be unashamed at the day of Christ. And so today, if you're here, those that come on Sunday night, I know you guys, and we, we are here every Sunday. In all likelihood, all of us have repented of sin and trusted in Jesus. 
And if it's true that you have repented and trusted in Jesus, then these verses become confidence for you. Hey, I can have confidence at the day of Jesus. I have the new heart that I need. I I have everything that I need in Christ to produce the fruit that God has called me to. And so if that's you, that's your story, then the good news is that that new birth is the fruit of the righteous fruit that God wants to produce in your life. And by remaining in Christ and staying there and saying, I'm not going to go anywhere, you can have confidence at the day of Jesus' return. If not, if you've been pretending or if you realize, man, I've never noticed, I've never known this, I've never actually trusted in Jesus, don't put it off another day. Don't try stapling on good fruits to pretend before yourself and before others and before God that you've been born again. Instead, go and be born again so that the righteous fruit that God requires comes out naturally from the inside out. You see, I think the temptation that we have in, these, in verse 29 is to reverse this and to say, everybody who does what is right gets to be born again. And John says, no, they've already been born again. And so go to the source. Go to the source of good works and stay there so you can have confidence on the day that Jesus returns. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you give us everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that you have called us to believe. Everything that you've called us to have our confidence in. You give us in your word. And so I pray, God, that we would be a people who remain in Christ. Who help each other remain in Christ. So that when you come back, we can stand unashamed and with confidence and joy. In Jesus' name, amen.